Amen. Well, good morning, church family. Please take your Bibles and open to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. This morning, we are starting our fall sermon series uh, titled Foundations of Faith. So this summer, we kind of uh, preached through several things this summer, and now we're going to lock in for a few weeks around a certain theme. And this theme is what I'm calling Foundations of Faith. Now, the point of this series is to remind us all of the importance of regular spiritual habits in our lives. So I want to begin by giving you a simple definition of spiritual habits or spiritual disciplines as they are sometimes called. Now Donald Whitney, um, who was actually one of my professors at Southern, wrote a very important book. All right, I don't often do this, okay? I've been here for five years now. I don't often pull out a book and say you should read a book. All right, so when I do, it's probably important. All right, you should read your Bible. But here, this is a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And so this is a book about spiritual formation. It's a book about how do we actually incorporate spiritual disciplines into our life. And uh, he, this is how he defines it. So these, I'll use this definition probably every week for the next couple of weeks. But here's how he defines spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in Jesus Christ. So they're the habits that promote spiritual growth, and all of those are derived from the Scripture. So spiritual disciplines are found in the Scripture, and they include things like Bible intake or Bible study, Bible reading, prayer, worship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, learning. There are others that are in the scriptures, but that's just a brief overview. So those are the things we're going to be looking at the next coming weeks. Now, as I begin, it is critical for you to remember this. All right, when I'm talking about foundations of faith, like the songs we sang this morning, the foundation of our faith, the bottom level to the ground, the chief cornerstone of our faith is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of our faith. He is the head of the body, the church, and all believers are commanded to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We're to grow in Christ's likeness. We're to become more like Jesus. It's not about just reading my Bible more or praying more. It's about becoming more like Jesus. So that's going to be something I re-emphasize over and over again. So we build our lives on the foundation of Jesus. That is so important. We build our lives on the foundation of Jesus, and we live our lives. Now, this is the connection I want you to make. We build our spiritual lives on the foundation of Jesus, but we live our lives. We sh as we live our lives, we should engage in the same activities that Jesus engaged in. So if Jesus spent his life doing certain things, and he alone knew how to live a life in relationship to the Father... We have to model our lives after Jesus himself, okay? So we model our lives on Christ's life. Now, Dallas Willard also wrote a book on spiritual disciplines, and he makes this simple but life-changing claim. If you make this connection out of everything else I say this morning, make this one connection, that we not only trust in Jesus, but we, build, we model our lives after Jesus. He says this, my central claim is that we can become like Christ by doing one thing. By following Him in the overall style of life He chose to live for Himself. If we live 
if we, sorry, he says, if we have faith in Christ, we must believe that he knew how to live. We can, through faith and grace, become like Christ by practicing the types of activities he engaged in, by arranging our whole lives around the activities that he himself practiced in order to remain constantly in the fellowship of his Father. I want you to soak on that for a minute. Hear what that means. Jesus didn't simply come to save us from our sins, as important as that is, as essential as that is. He came and lived the way that we should live. Those are two different things. Jesus did come and die for our sins, yes, but he also modeled how we are to live. His whole life was an example of how to live a joy-filled, spirit-empowered life of love and fellowship with the Father. Jesus walked in fellowship with His Father in the joy of the Spirit day by day as an example for us. So, just want to make that point, right? Jesus practiced certain spiritual habits and disciplines each day and modeled them for His disciples for us to follow. So we're not simply, hear me, we're not simply called to believe in what Christ has done Though that is essential, we are called to live as Jesus lived in his relationship to the Father and others. So that's important. So the next few weeks, we're going to dig in and see how we can model our lives and strengthen our souls by engaging in the same spiritual habits as Jesus did as an example for us. So we're going to start this morning in 1 Timothy 4. And so I want to begin with my title this morning as, um, as the purpose of spiritual habits. The purpose of spiritual habits for the purpose of godliness. So here we go. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. This is what Paul says as he writes to Timothy. He says, if you put these things before the brothers and sisters at the church, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now, I want to give you two main points this morning. That's a good place for an amen instead of ten. Two. All right, here we go. I want you to see first the purpose of spiritual habits. The purpose of spiritual habits. Now, Paul says there in verse 7, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. So there's some things we're to stay away from. Have nothing to do with those things. He says, rather, instead of, rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for a purpose And that purpose being Christ-likeness, godliness. Now, first notice that this is a command to train ourselves. That is the command, that we are to train ourselves. We are commanded to train, to practice, 
to do what is necessary to discipline ourselves. That is the overall command of the text. Now, this requires effort. It requires time. It requires patience. It requires intentionality. And then Paul immediately, notice what he immediately compares this to. He immediately compares it in the following verses to bodily training, which we also know requires effort and labor and self-control and discipline. We all understand this language. We train our bodies for a purpose, whether that is to run a marathon or to be physically fit or to compete in any given sport. A lot of our guys have been puking from football practice at 105 degrees this whole summer. It requires training. It requires effort. We should understand the connection to training and our bodies. Now, but Paul says it's for a purpose. Now, let me give you an, a silly illustration that I was thinking about the other day. Now, my kids, all of you, some of you have kids. I love my children. Uh, my kids like this TV show. They used to watch it all the time called American Ninja Warrior. How many of you watched that show before? Okay, some of you have seen this show, American Ninja Warrior. Now, I was really confused the first time I watched this show. Super confused. All right, I was confused because when I grew up, I had a completely different understanding of the word ninja and of the word warrior. Okay? That was a misconception I have. In fact, a ninja and a warrior were characters I always wanted to be as a kid. I loved being a ninja or a warrior. And so if you told me, without me ever watching an episode of the show, to train for American Ninja Warrior, um, I would not have trained in a way that would have allowed me to compete very well. I would not have trained very well for this if I'd never seen an episode. Why? Because I would have been sneaking around the house, dressed in a black Ninja Warrior. I would have been jumping out of closets and ninja kicking passerbys. That's what I would have done. I would have gotten a katana sword. I would have bought some fruit. I would have went out in the backyard and had a, my own round of Fruit Ninja, okay? That's a 15-year-old game on your smartphone if you don't know what that is. So I would have done those things to train, and what would have happened if I would have went to American Ninja Warriors, I would have realized that all that training was pointless. It was pointless because that's not really what the show's about at all. I would have had to talk with the producer and say, you have a stupid name for your show. You really should have called this American Climbing and Swinging Contest with no swords, ninjas, or warriors. We get that, right? And then, by the way, we watched another show this weekend. Um, it was the American Air Guitar Championship. Okay, I didn't know this was a real thing, but it's a real competition. So I didn't know that as I did this all the time, I could have actually been training for a real competition instead of actually learning to play a real guitar. It is pointless to train for something where you cannot put something into practice, and that is Paul's point. The point of all training, whether that be for football or basketball or for a job, is to be able to put into practice whatever skill you are working on and developing. And so Paul says here, listen to what he says not to do. He says, spending your time talking and discussing silly, irreverent myths is not going to help you grow in godliness. I think if Paul was writing it today, he wouldn't have said silly, irreverent myths. He would have said social media. 
He would have said something that you think is going to actually help you. So think about that. His argument to Timothy throughout his entire letter has been that Timothy must focus and train himself by knowing Christ through his word. Because only, in God's, only by God's word will our lives be conformed to Christ. So, here, so Paul says here that his training, this training, has a specific purpose and outcome in mind. What is the outcome? What is the purpose in mind as, as we train ourselves? He says it's for the purpose of godliness. That is it. Paul uses the same theme and terminology in Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, when he says this. He says, do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one receives the prize? He says, so run that you may win it. He says, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So Paul says, we're running a race too. We're not trying to receive an imper- a perishable wreath, but one that lasts for eternity. He says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I do not air guitar. That's what he's saying. But I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching I should be disqualified. Now here is the truth. Here is the truth. Let this soak in. If you are not training yourself for the purpose of godliness, if you are not running the race in a way that is comparable to an athlete training, how can you expect to grow and make progress spiritually? Do you expect it to magically happen? Do you expect that to magically happen? If you never dribble a basketball... Why do, you, why do you expect to be able to compete with those who do it every day? Just think about that. If you never train in running, why do you think you're going to win the Boston Marathon? You'd be like, that's silly. That's stupid. You're not going to. So Paul is saying here that if you never take the time to pick up your Bible and practice spiritual disciplines and engage, how can you do that? If you're outside doing cartwheels all day and your parents ask you what you're doing and you answer because I want to be a basketball player, those things don't connect. Cartwheels aren't going to help you be a basketball player. So that's the point here, right? There's a fundamental misunderstanding in that and how you train. If you spend all of your time on silly myths or on Facebook or on social media scrolling through the news and you have no time to pick up your Bible and spend time with Jesus, how is that going to help you grow in godliness? You have to be intentional in how you spend your time. Now, believers, listen. Believers who take this seriously and who practically implement spiritual habits, they will grow. The reason and motive behind our spiritual discipline must be Christ-likeness. It's not because I have to. It's not because um, it's something for me to check off a box every day. It's because I want to be more like my Savior. That has to be the motive behind it. So that is the purpose of spiritual habits. Second, notice the promise of spiritual habits. The promise. I want you to notice in the next couple, in the, in the text here, a couple of promises that Paul makes to Timothy about his training. Two promises, two big ones. Number one, spiritual habits help prepare us for eternity. Spiritual habits help prepare us for eternity. Look at verse 8. Paul says in verse 8, For while bodily training is of some value, Paul doesn't discount exercise. He says, yeah, you need to do that. Bodily training is of value. 
He says, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds the promise for the as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, what does Paul mean by that? What does it mean that it holds promise for the for our lives now and also for the life to come? Now, this only makes sense. It only makes sense what Paul is saying if the purpose of our here and now temporary earthly lives is to prepare us for our eternal lives with Jesus. That the purpose of this life is to prepare us for the next one. That's the only way this makes sense. So let's think about that. We are to grow in Christ's likeness here and now because that reflects who we are. We belong to Christ. We are reflecting Him into the world. So I grow in Christ's likeness here and now um, because it reflects who Christ is and it reflects what awaits us. There's coming a day when we will be with Jesus. So here it is. If heaven, spending, if spending eternity with Jesus is about the worship and enjoyment of God forever, free from the stains and seduction of sin, then our lives here should also be about the maximum worship and enjoyment of God. And the only way I can grow in worship and enjoyment of God is getting to know the God in whom my soul should delight. So here's the thing, hear this again. If heaven is about the worship and and enjoyment of God forever, free from the stains and seduction of sin, then our lives here should also be about the maximum worship and enjoyment of God as we fall less and less in love with the world and more and more in love with Jesus. That's the issue. And spiritual habits are the practices that help us do that. So that's the first promise. They prepare us for eternity, here and now. Second, spiritual habits also are how we grow and make progress spiritually. Spiritual habits are how we actually grow spiritually. Look at verse 15. Look at what Paul says as we skip down to verse 15 in our text. I haven't read this part yet, but look at verse 15. Paul says to Timothy, practice these things, immerse yourselves in them, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all will see your progress. Look at Paul's language. Practice. You know what practice means? It means to practice. It's very simple. That's, that's, Jacob, that's Jacob's Theology 101 right there, that that word means what that word means. Practice means to practice. It means to train in something consistently and repetitively until it becomes normal and second nature. I remember playing baseball, and our coach had us take 400 swings a day. 400 swings a day. I still have the calluses on my hands from 25 years ago. 400 swings a day, to the point that my swing was second nature. I could do it without, without even thinking about it. I could just go to the plate, get in a stance, wait on a fastball, and drive it. Repetitively, consistently, my parents are sitting there, they know I'm telling the truth, Every day, baseball is all we did. But you do it until it becomes second nature, until it's just the normal course of your life. It's just what's normal. You practice these things. That's what it means. You cannot practice regular Bible reading or regular prayer unless you actually read and pray regularly. You have to put it into practice. 
Paul goes further, right? He says that not only do you practice these things, Paul says to immerse yourself in them. Immerse means to get under it. That's immersion. That's what baptism is, to get under something, to be dipped in it, to swim in it, to be completely in the thing. And all of us know how to immerse ourselves in something. Listen, all of you know how to use Google? You'll go watch 100 hours of YouTube to figure out how to grow a plant. There's somebody over here that does that. We'll watch 100 hours on how to learn basketball drills, training drills. We, We will learn how to do something. We will immerse ourselves in this to learn how to master something. We all know what that we will become experts in gardening, in weight training, in Cardinals baseball, in UT football for some reason, in Minecraft, in Instagram. You will immerse yourselves in things, okay? The question here is what is Paul telling Timothy to immerse himself in? Like what is Paul actually telling him to do? Well, look back at verses 12 through 14. Paul tells him, verses 12 through 14, he says, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example, but set, but, sorry, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by the council of elders who laid their hands on you. Then he says, practice, immerse, so that all may see your progress. So what's Timothy supposed to do? He's supposed to live as as an example, even though he's young. Practice that. Immerse yourself in it. He's to read and study God's Word. He's to use his spiritual gifts for the good of the church. He's to train and immerse himself. Why? So that all may see your progress. And that's the promise. The promise is that if you practice spiritual habits, you will see progress spiritually and you will grow. I've never seen someone who has spent time in daily spiritual habits who has not grown spiritually. That's the promise. Now, the negative side is also true. If you pray a prayer and come to Jesus 40 years ago and you've never immersed yourself in spiritual habits, you are the same Christian you were 40 years ago. There's been no growth. You're still a baby Christian. You're still an infant. And the Bible talks about that. That you, don't, you, you're, you, should, you, should need, you need solid food by now, but you're still on the milk of infants. So the Bible tells us to grow. So the negative is true. How can you expect to be better acquainted with Christ if you never pick up the Bible and read it? How can you expect to live as he lived if you don't even read about how he lived? Those that make spiritual habits part of their normal daily routine will make progress. Just like those who run every day will be able to run further and faster. Those who do push-ups every day will be able to do more push-ups. It is training. So let me conclude. That's a good place for amen. Amen. In our spiritual lives, think about this. In our spiritual lives, if we are not intentional and serious about growing in godliness, if we're not serious about growing in Christ-likeness, what this shows is that Jesus might not be the most important person in our lives. He might not be the most important factor in our lives other things might be more important now look at verse 10 look at verse 10 look what Paul says he says for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God it's real toil it's real strife it's real effort and Paul is striving for godliness because he has an eternal hope 
that is broken into the present and it changes the way he lives. That's the point. Paul's hope isn't just to be physically fit. Because no matter how well you care for the body, it will break down. It will get older. You will die. It will happen. Paul's hope is that when this life is over, he will stand before Christ unashamed because he sought to live as Jesus lived. So spiritual habits are the means of us becoming more like Christ. They are a pathway, listen to me, they are the pathway to greater joy and delight in Jesus. They are the food and water that our soul needs. Don't starve your soul. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I'll end where I began. Jesus is the foundation of our lives, amen? Amen. If you don't know him, you need to come to him. If you don't know him, then you need to get to know who he is. I challenge you, go read the Gospel of John. Ask, come to the Bible with open eyes and an open heart and say, God, show me your son. If you don't know him, you need to know him because there is an eternity that awaits all of us. And all of this life is meant to prepare us for that one. And without Jesus, you have no hope of eternity. So repent and believe the gospel. Uh, if you're here today and you're a Christian you haven't been engaging in spiritual habits, then right now, pray that as we go through this study that God would encourage you and challenge you to make the effort daily to spend time and grow in Christlikeness. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of ours where our mission is to love God, love people, and make disciples and to grow in Christlikeness together. Would you pray with me? Father, we are thankful for your word. And Father, I pray that I would take it to heart. Father, I have gone through such seasons of growth and such seasons of longing and desiring of your word. And Father, I've gone through the wilderness. I've gone through the desert. I've gone through barren times when, when there is no thirst in me for your word as it should be. And so, Father, I pray that no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, that today you would revive our hearts, you would refresh our spirits, and you would instill in us a burning desire to know Christ better. So, Father, we ask now that you would speak. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.